Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Hello, ladies. Hello, little Hello. pea brain in my screen. I know, a little pea in her hat. I'm modeling. You guys can't see, but we'll explain it to you audibly. She looks good. New. I look great. I'm in head to toe black. I feel like a security guard. <laughs> I'm wearing our new pea brain hat. This is from our new merch drop. Um, this is my, I think this is my favorite hat we've ever done. Really? Yeah. I just love it. The pea brain is little and white in block letters on a black hat. I know you can see, I know you know that cuz I can see, but I assumed we, you were. We co-designed it for the girls. And um yeah, so we put up merch pre-orders when we went on break and the website was locked specifically for Patreon and Apple subscribers. Everyone put their orders in um and now all of the merch is finally arriving or starting to arrive anyway um i'm so fucking excited to get mine i can't wait can't wait for my bus hat i know there's a bus hat yeah we're not going to give all of it away but if you are keen to get your hands on some merch to get early access there is a small amount of each style left and if you become a patreon subscribe you can get access to the website and put your order in and you will get a pre-order hat and then the the styles will go on sale to the rest of the girlies a little later in the year ahead of christmas but we've finessed the system baby we're like we got a we got a uh what do you call it a shipping and handling team distributors staff distributors (laughs) we got the staff in the shopify i know Every, all the tracking numbers are getting updated properly. If the girls move houses, that's being updated. I mean, it did take yeah. longer than we expected for the merch to go out. So there is that. It took like a bit longer than expected because of manufacturing issues. And we were literally being so diligent. I was contacting mm-hmm. people when Grace was asleep in the UK. Grace is contacting people when yeah. I'm asleep in LA. But um, 
Oh, and we also pushed back because they weren't to, the, to what we what we were promised. So exactly, we pushed back on the quality. What's the fabrication? Is this color right? Is it stylish? Is the embroidery good? We've got cute little details in the caps, hidden details. That yeah, a little find. special treat for the girls inside each cap. Little hidden messages. So yeah, I'm I'm fucking excited. I get to London on Friday, and I'm gonna go straight Woo! to Grace's house and put on a hat. And we're going to take some more stupid photos. We're going to march down to Golden Dilly. This time we're not paying someone half our, half our <laughs> income. We're not doing a profesh photo shoot this time, which I am a little sad about, but we're going we're gonna to make up for it. And- Wait, Grace, do you even know that we forgot to post one of the professional photos we got? We forgot to post the um, Kirsten Dunst and Jake Gyllenhaal eating salad photos ever. And then I shared them for this merch drop on the, I was like looking at Instagram and I was like, I can't find this one. And so I posted it and then I just posted it and was like, oh, I don't know if we forgot to share this at the time or if Grace has deleted it, but we've got new (laughs) merch coming. And everyone was like, we've never seen this. I was like, why are we so dumb? A hidden image from the archives. That was the funnest one as well. That was for the Chow t-shirts. We're so silly. (laughs) Doing this is so funny because sometimes I have to be a hard ass and I'm like, excuse me. Please give me a like an update on the bus hats. Like it's like the dumbest shit. It's so stupid. I know. And then we have these men um, who are, are, are distributing it in Australia, and it's just quite funny because yeah, they're like all they're being very serious. I have to be quite hardline with them on a call and was like being really serious. And they're yeah, it's about hats that say P rain on them. Yeah. I'm like, we're serious women. Take our business seriously and you get in line. I can't even remember what it was an that, empire. that happened there. but I Yeah, dealing with fellas is a, a totally different kettle of fish. I've just never dealt with men professionally. Neither, unless they gave me, obviously. Yeah. yeah, I just live in this bubble. Like, you know that um, podcast, How Long Gone, that we talked about forever ago mm-hmm. with those two guys? Mm-hmm. I hadn't listened to it, even though I knew it was the kind of thing that I would like. And I listened to a couple this week. And the way they were talking, they kept being like, yeah, Charlie XCX is fucking hot. And like just things about girls being hot. And I was so taken aback because they're kind of wokey, cool New York guys. And then I was like, oh, I just never get to listen in on straight men talking. They're just so not a part of my orbit. I actually think they're not. I think that people... People have gone as guests on that show and someone, who the fuck was it? Someone went on that show as a guest and then asked them to never release it. And then I saw her post something on her Instagram story about it. Like someone asked her what happened with the with the interview. And then she just said, I felt like it was really, I felt like they were really weird and kept asking me like super inappropriate questions. So I asked them to pull it. Who the fuck was that? I, I keep thinking, I'm like, in my brain, I'm like, was it Yan Yan Chan? But I don't think it was. It was like someone like that mm. who who asked them to pull it because it was inappropriate and she didn't like it. And I think Camille Charrier also said that somewhere. She found it really weird. They kept right. asking her about, like, doing drugs and all this shit. And she was like, um, <laughs> batting away. Zach just came in the door. I was like, oh. <laughs> frowns and bats him away with her hand um yeah that's what i that's how i felt listening to it i was very confused and 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 they get such amazing people on it seems like a lot of people maybe don't necessarily know what it is when they're talking to them but they have this kind of just surprisingly bro-y hetero 
vibe that mm. I'm shocked that it's resonated so much because it's just it's not really the I don't like being in that world I think they're no. funny they've got good banter and they get good people on but it's I was yeah I was like oh I don't like I didn't think we we're allowed to call girls sexy anymore if we were straight men <laughs> I know. Charlie, sex is for the girls and the gays and they should fucking know that. Exactly. Something popped into my mind when you said that. Do you know how I had a little celebrity encounter? Wait, two celebrity encounters. Okay. Two iconic celebrity encounters. One, Mm -hmm. Jason Segel. Jason Segel. Why did my brain go to Steven Seagal? It's Jason (laughs) Segel who's in. Jason Segel. What even is he in? But I fucking love him. Like he's just so recognizable. And I just watched him in a new show called Shrinking, which is actually pretty good on Apple TV. Mm -hmm. And he was at Soho House and I was working and he walked past and beamed at me. Like biggest smile in the world. Most smiley man. I have a suspicion he's like chronically single and is on Raya and is like looking for the looking for a girly. To oh, I make him doubt Mrs. he was Seagal. looking for me. I looked like a piece of fucking rubbish, trash. What that... about that beaming smile? <laughs> I think he's just a friendly man. No, I think he was into you. And then I went to walk to the elevators and then to leave. We were just sitting working beside each other for like three hours. And then I went and he kept chatting away to the hostess, so friendly. And then I got up to leave and then he got, he got up to leave at the same time. And so we were in the elevator together. And then he was just like, how's your day going? And I was like, I'm so tired. And he was Is like, he? same. And then he, I was like, why does no one sleep in LA? And he was like, how long have you lived here? And I said, eight months. And he said, it'll take you two years to figure out um, why you can't sleep. And then he told, and then we got out of the lift and he was going to the gym and I was walking out and he said, have you tried tapping? And I was like, what's that? And he goes, it sounds quite hippie, but it'll, it could help you sleep. There's an app you can download. I was like, okay, I think we, talk, we talked about tapping, right? Is that why you're bringing that oh, up? Oh, yeah, that. Yeah, the tapping. And you're like, caught. this is why I miss TikTok. These are the little facts I used to get. Um, I think he was hitting on you. I can't remember where I heard this, but he's like a very sweet, nice man. And he's like unlucky in love and he's 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 trying to meet the one. You got to go back in. <laughs> you could be his Emily Blunt. That's like the movie I mainly remember seeing him in. Weirdly, whether the five-year engagement. I feel like this is a really random movie I saw at Hoyt's when I worked there. Um, yeah, I, I really got good energy from him. He seemed so nice. And then yesterday, Grace, biggest slope sighting thus far in LA, I would have to say, Alan Pompeo. <laughs> <laughs> Meredith Grey, can you believe it? I've seen her twice. I can't remember if I told you. <sighs> I saw her with Nahiwi. I saw her with my sister. And Nahiwi's like trying to see celebs. She's like, we're all the celebs. And I was like, oh, shut the fuck up. And then we went to this cafe and Alan Pompeo's in front of us. And I was like nudging her being like, and she was just like, I have no fucking idea who this is. And I was like, you are studying to be a doctor. I was like, what the fuck do they like tell you to watch it for training to be a doctor? Like, how have you not even heard of Grey's Anatomy? Like, go home right now. Women weren't doctors before Grey's Anatomy. Like, now he no. forgets that. Yeah, yeah I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And then she just didn't care. And I was like, oh, my God. I was like, this is the most iconic celebrity setting you're ever going to see in L.A. Like, blah, blah, blah. Then yesterday I went back to the cafe and she was there again with her gorgeous daughter and then I did a little Google to find out who she's married to and she's married to like this hot producer guy and they've been together forever and um, she was wearing Prada slip-on loafers and then a woman walked in with a dog and she jumped down and was like patting the dog and being so friendly and then she left, her and her daughter left and I was sitting outside having a little solo coffee and the woman immediately called her friend and was like, it was Meredith Grey and I was like, yes, (laughs) that's the response we need. She seems really cool from the limited 
thing I've seen of her. She just, she seems like if you made a bazillion million quazillion dollars on a TV show, she, her life, she just lives that life perfectly. She always seems happy. She's like, she's chill. She's kind of cool. She's, she always looks relaxed. She always looks very relaxed. As you would be. Yeah. I mean, I'd never, I wasn't seeing her anywhere. I hadn't seen her in years, but she looks like the exact same. She doesn't even, I was just, when I first saw her with Nahiwi, I was like, that looks like Ellen Pompeo, but looks like Ellen Pompeo in like 2010. (laughs) Yeah. Ellen Pompeo's daughter. She looks fucking great. And um, so then last night I put on Grey's Anatomy and was watching it. That's something I would quite like to, to whip out and start from scratch. Yeah. I did a rewatch a in 2018. Does the uh, the Catherine Heigl snow patrol scene still slap? Yes, <laughs> I remember. Yes. He's dead like now. Denny's dead out. now, and um, but Denny. she's but she's still seeing him. Like he's still alive. He's, she's like envisioning him as a ghost now. So he's just wandering around the corridors with her. I was beside myself when that happened. Well, we I would have. I was like, I think it was. 13 in high school I just remember thinking about it for days and days and days yeah you would have been 13 because I was like 15 which was kind of even more of a time because this is when I was Mm. a boy and so that that snow patrol song became my song with my boyfriend whose name was Ashley it's all coming back to me now and we used to put that song on and pash on the bed makes me feel sick we both worked at pack and save He worked in the bakery at Pack and Save and I worked on the checkout. Those like high school job romances, my God, they were just so, they just felt so all consuming. I was in love with a guy I worked with at IGA called Steve. <laughs> I used to stare at him unpacking the Fanta. I want to line up all the boys I've ever had a crush on. Like imagine if you could line them up in a room or find photos of them. It would be the funniest shit ever. It would be so good. I know because in your brain you've you've memorialized them. You can't really see them. You can see them as being hot because you thought they were hot. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Just even like the ones I had a crush on when I was really young, like a five-year-old. I remember loving this boy called Damien and he had the longest hair down to his <laughs> butt that he would wear in a plait every day. Like the biggest rat's tail ever. And I was like, hot. Like what is going on in that brain? It's really funny because it's obviously like that's back when you just had no outside influence and like who you should have a crush on and who you shouldn't. I always had the most rogue crushes. Now I need to go back to Soho House and find Jason Segel. Let me see if he's single. Yeah, hunt him down. I'm, I don't know why I'm remembering this. Maybe I heard him on, like, Dax Shepard. I can't imagine why I would have listened to that. But oh my god, I've definitely. As of I've September definitely... 19th, 2023, which is oh my god. less than a month ago, this renowned celebrity remains single. <laughs> How can they know to that level of specificity? <laughs> he split with his girlfriend of eight years in 2021. Yeah, okay, maybe that's maybe I something about him being on Raya and just wanting to meet a nice girl. Oh, he's so friendly. Yeah. Maybe he just has no game because he's so nice. So people yeah. don't realize. I literally was like rubbing my eyes in the elevator going, I'm so tired and 
had no makeup on, so yeah. The heart wants what it wants. <laughs> Wait, on to a funny story. A funny and also harrowing story of what's going on to attendees at Paris Fashion Week. So Paris is infested by bed bugs, and Grace just asked me off air, what even are bed bugs? And I was like, no, you don't get it. It is really, really it's very serious because it's like if you get so my landlord told me because I think bed bugs are a thing in the US more so than other places because no landlord has uh-huh. ever said this to me before. But he was like, if you get bed bugs, like you need to tell me immediately because they need to get an exterminator into the into my apartment like literally within minutes, like every second counts because the bed bugs can spread all through the apartment and it's just it's like impossible to contain them. Like it's fucking crazy. I think I actually thought bed bugs were like made up like a, a myth. It's so gross. What are, are the, uh, is it a name for something that isn't necessarily in your bed? Like how could a bug be attracted to or is it do they only appear in bed? What are they? Are they big? Are they small? Can they take flight? They're tiny, but it's 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 beds and clothing, I think. So people are basically being mm. like it's so crazy that it's happening during Paris Fashion Week because everyone is sending garments everywhere. Like for every show that happens, mm. they're dressing like the entire front row. Models are wearing, models are putting on these garments. Like it's actually mm. such a such a mess. But people are saying what you have to do is you have to put your put all of your clothes, including what you wore on the plane, immediately into black bags and put them in the freezer for four days. And like, really? or like, put them out in the hot. Put your suitcase out in the hot sun for like days on end to kill them. It's so gross. Wash on hot, then throw in the dryer and mm. send and send to the dry cleaner. If you have outdoor space and it's hot, leave your suitcase outside wrapped in a black trash bag. Wash everything on hot. Put Vaseline on the legs of your bed frame because the suckers crawl. Oh. I'm going to put Vaseline on the legs of my bed frame now just in case. This is just giving me a new thing to be concerned about. Bed bugs, I know. Mm-hmm. I know, I'd never I thought of them before when I before. didn't know, when I didn't know what they were. I agree. My sister tries to tell me all this stuff about being a doctor, and I'm like, I don't want to know that people can have strokes. Don't tell me, because now I feel like you're telling my <laughs> brain that I'm going to have a stroke. Like, she's just like, what? I was like, it's making me feel sick. Stop. The best one I ever heard was, um, like, one of my best friends, Phaedra, is a nurse, and she said that once uh, – I think I was complaining about some stupid work thing, and then I was like, what happened to you at work today? And she was like, oh, it was a bit fucked. Like, the, the surgeon had to cut off a gangrenous little toe, and it, like, flew in the air and landed on the floor, and then she had to get on her hands and knees and find it. Oh, and she said she picked it up, and she wanted to fade, and he was just like, get it together, Phaedra, and, like, screamed at her. And I was like, that, it's just so crazy. That's your life day today, and we just hang out. Like, we live in the same – existence and you just have to look at medical emergencies i know constantly well my sister's fucking 21 and she was like talking about how she wants to work on the ambulances um when she comes to london to do her whatever and um i was like isn't that so fucking stressful because the ambulances are called and you're rushing to a scene and you're dealing with Mm -hmm. like someone dying of a heart attack in front of you and she was just like yeah I've dealt she's dealt with so many of them and she was just like what's what sucks is usually when it's a um, cardiac arrest there's 
like they're basically gonna not they're basically gonna die but a lot of the time they they do die and so she just saw Mm -hmm. so many people just dying in front of her and she's 22 and I just talked to her about my silly little (laughs) shit all the time yeah yeah and then I was like that's fucking crazy it's yeah it's nuts it's 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 really really crazy you should I mean obviously anyone in the medical profession should get paid more especially nurses I think but you should just get some sort of badge. You should only have to work like a third of the year or I don't, I know they love their jobs so maybe they wouldn't like that, but I don't know. You're, that's just such a service to society. It's insane. I know. You never think about it enough. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, it's so crazy. Um, I mean, I was thinking about it watching Grey's Anatomy last night. Everyone should rewatch that yes. show and then realize how special doctors and nurses and Ellen Pompeo is and everyone on that show did so well for themselves well sandra O, oh, Catherine heigl so random that she was like the most famous for a while blonde no, white and then privilege she was sexist sexistly cast out of hollywood by judd and seth friends of your new beau Jason. wait what happened she like uh everyone said she was getting too big for her boots she's she this is really annoying that she did this. They nominated her for an Emmy for Grey's Anatomy and she said she like returned the nomination because she thought the writing wasn't good enough that season for her performance to be worse than Emmy, which is what? crazy. I know. But then she worked on Knocked Up with uh, Judd Apatow and Seth Rogen and then afterwards said that she found the script quite sexist and she kind of tried to push back on things and she wishes that she hadn't done it or wishes she did it differently. And they really led into this narrative of her being difficult and a diva and thing. And she basically just didn't work for like 15 years. There's a really good um, variety or whatever it is of Ellen Pompeo and her talking about it like oh. a year ago or something. Oh, mm. so so cool. I'll look it up. Catherine? Can we believe, speaking of old school people, that Joshua Jackson and Jodie Turner-Smith are divorcing? I'm really sad about it. <laughs> Why are they divorcing? What's I think happened? she's too good for him. Mm. And she's leaving him because he's annoying. <laughs> That's the vibe I get. Do you think he like caught her on the upward? Like she kind of just exploded into this star not long after they had their baby. Maybe. Yeah, she's or not long after they worth. kind of got together. Yeah. Yeah. I- I think it's like a um, Kiki Palmer situation where the men just don't, the men don't match up. But he seems very sweet, don't you think? But guys can seem sweet, but also be so useless. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Like he could just be like, he could just be a nice guy, but she could be like, how can you not hear the baby crying right now or how can you not understand that I need to do this for work my career maybe it's like her career is going super well and just another another Josh another double J man losing a very gorgeous woman with Turner in her surname oh my god yeah (laughs) (laughs) when you look at pictures of them together on the red carpet it's just so funny like he's obviously a handsome man but she literally looks she looks like a supermodel. She's yeah. she's so she's so talented, but she is so beautiful and like understands glamour in this insane way. And he's just kind of standing there with his salt and pepper beard. He's just kin. He's just kin. 
it's yeah everyone's divorcing there's a theory that everyone's that people are breaking up post barbie because apparently it was a tiktok trend that people saw barbie with their boyfriend it really resonated with them and then they left and their boyfriends were like oh that was dumb or it wasn't that good or it's overrated like and then they it made them realize that they were just not up to scratch and they broke up with them apparently that's happened quite a few times love doing god's work (laughs) (laughs) that's so funny i know Jodie Turner-Smith and Joshua Jackson broke up after watching Barbie together. Probably, honestly. Yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Speaking very, very quickly, um, did you see Taylor Swift brought Sophie Turner to one of the football games now? She's doing, she's doing a lot lately. And I think she's given Sophie Turner her house in New York to live in with the kids. That is so amazing. So nice. That, that got really heavy, that whole breakup. I don't think we've talked about it. She sued for saying he's like holding the kids in in the states, right? Yeah, he's taken their passports and What's crazy? And she said she found out about the divorce from the media, which is just insane. And so they were meant to move to the UK and then they were supposed to move after she finished filming and he was going to come over with the kids. And I literally feel like she was away filming and he was talking with his brothers being like, "I don't really want to move." <laughs> And then just got in his head. I literally feel like that's what happened. I don't want mm. to go to the UK. And then instead of just being normal and working through it, he just worked himself up and was like, we're just going to get divorced now. So crazy. <laughs> Poor Soph. They bought a house in Oxford. That's really cute. And he wrote this letter saying, um, saying, this is literally, it's a very damning letter for his case. It's this letter to the homeowners, why they wanted to buy it. And he's basically saying, we want the UK to be where our children are raised. We want them to go to this school around the corner. I want to like drive, ride this boat up down the river outside the house to this pub. 
to do pub crawls with my friends. This is going to be our forever home. We want our children to be brought up here, like all this. And he wrote it three weeks before they got divorced or something. Or what four the weeks, fuck? Less than a month. I don't understand what's... I feel so sorry for Sophie Turner. This is why the girlies are rallying around her because it's, it's, it's nuts. You're married with children. Like how can you go from that to announcing you're divorcing in the media without even telling your wife in three weeks? Yeah, what the fuck happened there? That's crazy. I feel sad because I, I, I totally understand her being furious and wanting to get back at him, but I feel like it's it might be one of those things that descends into just like a messier and messier thing where just more and more stuff comes out and we're obviously going to like watch the spectacle, but deep down wish we didn't know any of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. Um. I want to live with Sophie Turner. <laughs> I know. I'd Imagine Taylor Swift's New York apartment. Must be so nice. Once had a room for Carly Kloss, but that's a story for another day. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> I sound like a QAnoner, honestly. This is your <laughs> This is your QAnon. This could be a thing where you you can you can learn about how people get down conspiracy wormholes on the internet. <laughs> I know. Well, I have learned. <laughs> I'm there. Okay, should we talk about The Voice? Let's talk about The Voice. A good old-fashioned, serious AWD political segment. How long has it been? It's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while since we've used these pea brains. Grace has her pea brain cap on. Yes, she's, she's ready. ready to go. So The Voice, we haven't talked about it up till now. In part because, honestly, I think us not being in Australia, when the referendum was announced that they wanted to have a constitutional amendment to recognise Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in the Australian constitution, just seems like a no-brainer to me. And then to have a voice to parliament, which would represent Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voices and perspectives in legal statutes or parliamentary decisions that relate to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, I think for me it just seemed such a like modest, lukewarm thing that's nice to do but wasn't changing anything dramatically. It was just almost a sign of goodwill from like a Labor government. It didn't really cross my mind that it, it could even become this like toxic culture issue and it's only this week that I've fully understood how basically to use the word again toxic the whole debate has turned in australia and what a huge divisive thing it is right now and how much tension it's causing um so that's kind of why we wanted to talk about it i guess when is the vote happening october 14th okay and you're voting either in simple terms you're voting either yes or no to them adding a voice to parliament who will just advise on Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander perspectives and voices to do with like new laws and legislations. Yes. Which will still then, I think, cause what I was, when I first started reading into it, I was listening, I was listening to a podcast and they were being so down the middle and including like quite a lot of no voters from indigenous perspectives. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait, is this like more confusing than, I think it is. And then I was like, actually, I don't think it is. I think the the people who are saying 
that they want to vote no is basically they're saying it's not enough of a change and it's not enough recognition and it's and it's this the voice is still going to report back to like this white parliament who will ultimately make the decisions and like while yes that is true it's it it is at least a step in the right direction and i think saying no to something like this that is obviously like even if it is tokenistic in some ways even if it's not enough it's like when is the next chance Mm -hmm. that's you're going to get an opportunity for this. I think the country voting yes proves how much uh, like need there is to change the constitution in this way and to continue to give more and more recognition and power to indigenous people. And I don't know, it just feels, yeah, I, I, I get the argument that it's not enough, but I think something is better than nothing. I agree. It's like a yes and thing. It should be. It shouldn't be yeah, this thing of yes. yes and then we wipe our hands and that's it. That's kind of how I, I when I first heard about it, I felt like the backlash would be from progressives saying it didn't go far enough and it was a bit, you know, tokenistic or, or, or box ticking. But, you know, the big statistic that's being bandied about, which from what I've seen is is accurate. I know polling is difficult, but it's that you know, 80% of like First Nations people support the voice. Obviously, no group is a monolith and there's going to be voices within um, that community that don't agree for various reasons, some for more conservative reasons and some for um, more progressive reasons. But what I think is really fucked up that's happening in Australia right now is the way that it has been, in the way we've seen with like, Trump in America and Brexit in the UK, it's turned into this culture wars, highly divisive, you know, these shock jock people on Sky News thing where all sorts of stuff is being bandied about. And on social media in particular, people are just being shoved in these polar opposite directions. And this thing that's fairly simple has now become something really messy and complicated and when you zoom out for a minute and actually look, which the Taika Waititi video, which we can talk about, did really well. When you just distill it down to the basics, it's this really simple, basic question. But all of this baggage around Australia reckoning with its history has been dragged into it. Apparently, there's a lot of people who are voting no who genuinely believe that if the voice happens, they will be forced to give back their land like their houses that they live on (laughs) like people genuinely believe that like that's how far disinformation is spreading when realistically the the voice is not even legally binding they could say every single thing until they're blue in the face and there's nothing that the government actually has to legally yeah no one will listen like has to listen yeah so you're freaking out about something that is largely actually powerless (laughs) and i just it's just kind of terrifying how things get this fractured what i also don't find what i also don't understand about australia is are these referendums so you've had there's been 44 referendums in australia since 1901 but only eight have succeeded and i'm assuming with was the gay marriage referendum a referendum uh, that's when everyone votes they called that a, or no because it's not changing the constitution yeah they called it a plebiscite i think it was something slightly different to a right. referendum yeah okay because i'm also just like I also am just like, isn't the government there to make decisions on these things? Like putting these things to the people just is clearly like, especially when it's like racist issues and issues about like um, gender and like sexuality and, and things like that. It's 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 going to turn really hateful and really dark and really 
crazy so quickly. I just, I find it really odd that that's a choice by the government to do that. So I think with this one, because it's the constitution, it you, just you have legally to. have to. It has to go to a referendum to okay. change it at all. But I, I agree right. in the sense that I just, anytime this stuff happens, like with the, the gay marriage vote, yeah, it was the shit that was illegally was allowed to be televised was just revolting. And you just thought, God, is this even fucking worth it for like gay and queer people in Australia to have to sit through this shit to get <laughs> like you're just seeing what a large portion of Australia actually thinks of you in this way that is so confronting. And I feel like that with this, it's like bought a lot of hideous, hideous, uh, what's the word? Um, ignorance to the surface in this way that's astounding. And what's really frightening as well is the way in which I'm not going to be patronizing and say that like indigenous people are being weaponized by white groups because I don't think that that undermines their autonomy. But there is this sense in which like Jacinta Nampachimpa Price is a senator from the Northern Territory and she gave this speech where she essentially said that like where she essentially said that colonization had had no enduring negative effects on indigenous people. Like she said that in part, it's 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 fucking insane. There's been rhetoric from some political figures about how colonization was actually good for indigenous people. Like it's, it's bringing out (laughs) this stuff that is so just heinous. It just doesn't belong in public discourse. And yet it's happening in the center of parliament and something that should have just been, I just think it's such a small ask for everything that like first nations people have been through in Australia. They weren't allowed to fucking vote until 1967. People like we, the government was stealing their children until the sixties. Like to simply say we want recognition in the constitution and to be able to have a say (laughs) on issues that affect us in parliament and is not even legally binding. We just want to say that is such a modest, graceful ask they could ask for so much mm-hmm. more and for for them to be asking for such a like restrained request and for this to be the way that a huge chunk of australia responds it just i feel embarrassed at the country about it yeah it's so gross it's, it's horrendous. yeah it's so gross especially like i saw people being like well will they be able to change the date of australia day it's like oh my God, give it up. Give up, give the, up like, the ghost. Yeah. Australia Day needing to be on this fucking, like, no. Firstly, they're not going to be able to change that. And secondly, like, just change the day from the day that you literally came in and killed a whole bunch of people. Like, why do you want to celebrate on that day? It's so Yeah, stupid. if you're really fired up about, like, January 26th, which ironically gives Jan 6 energy, like, if you care that much about it, you need to – sit down and have a long evaluation with yourself about why it bothers you so much because Mm. it's so crazy i'm cognizant and i'm aware of the fact that part of the polarization with this comes from people being confused about what it actually is and what it means and there is genuine confusion in the sense that the gut like government hasn't spelled out what the voice will look like how many people it will be who it will be like constituted of what they will you know the actual specific parameters around it haven't been set up which is actually normal in a referendum it's kind of it passes and then you figure out what it will look like but i i understand that people want to know exactly what they're voting for and they feel confused and the media is like inflaming the confusion 
And then you start to feel like you can't ask questions. And then you start to feel like people are going to call you a bad person if you don't. Like, I I don't want to feed into that in many ways because I think it's really easy to get flooded with information and lose sight of what the whole thing is. And I don't think shame is a good tool to get people onto your side. But as the Taika Waititi thing showed, like... You can, kind, you can kind of just Google what it is and realise quite quickly that it's very simple. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, in similar, well, not similar, but in other news, it's the New Zealand election soon and New Zealanders who are overseas can vote now. So um, everyone should make sure they do that. Don't be lazy. Don't be all ADD like me and keep meaning to sort it just like put it in your google cal set some time aside and vote because this is like and i'm really this is a really important one for our country and for you know using our voices to kind of try and to make a difference um for like literally the future of our kids and <laughs> our i don't know i'm know. just like it's 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 quite bleak over there at the moment as well yeah there's just i i get it as well i think in the aftermath of covid people are really scared of things changing or being different I think that that feeling is still around for people so if things feel frightening or weird I think people are freaking out a bit but yeah I think you're right like we need to be proactive in our yeah in our democracies (laughs) I'm popping down to Australia (laughs) house on the 14th I'm gonna go try before actually try to go before I think I can go anytime between now and then Oh, nice. Yeah, actually, someone I saw someone put up um, something in Paris saying that they just voted. Chic. <laughs> <laughs> you can go down with your little pea brain hat on. Yes. They'll know. <laughs> so I interviewed uh, Mia Khalifa like a few months ago now. I think it was in August when you were the away in the wilderness. <laughs> um, and... She was really fucking cool. And the interview just came out and you text me um, saying you wanted to learn more about her because she seems like such a cool person. And she she just really is. She's so smart and so uh, like eloquent and so funny and just really open and kind. Um, and basically, if you haven't heard of her or maybe you have heard of her, but you don't really know why she's so famous. So she has she's one of the top TikTokers in the world. I think she has like. I don't know, 37 million followers on TikTok and like 27.5 million on Instagram. And she basically, over the last couple of years, the first time I ever heard of her was her um, doing a Jean-Paul Gaultier shoot in Paris like a year ago. And I just thought she was some cool, I clicked on her page and I was like, oh, she's just some like cool fashion girly. Um, But the backstory of it is basically, so when she was, so she moved to the States from Lebanon um, when she was like, 10 or something like six months before 9-11 happened and she moved to a state really close to Washington DC where obviously a plane also crashed so it was really hectic when she first went to school with like racism towards anyone from the Middle East um she really wanted to assimilate she just felt um yeah she just wanted to be like waspy which was like the ideal beauty standard where she lived and she was really overweight as well. And basically she got into like this bad and abusive relationship with an older guy when she was 19 or oh, 
when she was a teenager and she married him when she turned 19. Mm. And around this time was when a guy approached her on the street about um, doing adult entertainment. And she went home and her boyfriend like fully pushed her, not, I don't know if she's used the word pushed her, but like fully encouraged it in a way of really wanting her to do this thing. And she was just laughing about it and wasn't, was completely not serious about doing it at all. Um, And I think he basically encouraged it and they like needed money. And she, when she signed up with this porn company, she signed her rights away in perpetuity with no idea what that meant. And that basically means they own the rights to everything of yours beyond your death, like just forever. And there's no way of getting out of that contract. And she signed up so that she only got 1000 US dollars per video ever. So she gets nothing off the back of streams. She only made $15,000. She made 15 videos across three months before quitting the industry entirely and feeling she just, she was like, it just wasn't for me. I felt like shit. I, I hated every second of it. Um, it wasn't like this great empowering thing that it can be for other women. She was just like, for me, I didn't like it. It felt gross. It felt, um, violating all of these things. And basically during this time though, her videos blew up because she was like Middle Eastern porn star, um, for, and she became the most Googled, most famous porn star in the world. And this is like a 20 year old girl with no idea what you're doing became like so she couldn't even leave the house like it was so intense and she's getting no money from this by the way like no money from her being the biggest porn star in the world and making like those websites so 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 much money this is over a decade ago Mm -hmm. (laughs) and she was just like what if the worst mistake you've ever made in your life was just one that everybody in the world judged you for it's so fucking crazy. That's fascinating because I my under, limited understanding of her was I thought she was the first like porn star it girl in the sense that she was almost like Chloe Cherry very proudly actively to this day creating porn and had moved into the mainstream. I didn't realize that the story was that she had done it and then became famous and not pursued it. And I think that's obviously a sign that it wasn't something that she really wanted to do or was aware of doing because she could have she could now be doing it and making a shitload of money, but she chooses not to and to make money elsewhere because yeah, it's really fucked up. Same. I I thought because when you Google her name, it says porn yeah. star, so you're like, oh, she's a porn star. Um, not at all. She hasn't made porn in over a decade, and she, then basically she disappeared completely. She left that relationship. She met a girl on Twitter. She had like no friends. She met this girl on Twitter called Rachel who worked at like a funny kind of women's magazine at the time and was quite funny on Twitter and Rachel was like you should move to Austin Texas just get out of Miami and she moved to Austin Texas and moved in with this girl and they're, they're best friends to this mm, day that's really nice and she like credits her for basically saving her life and then she um in like 2019 for the first time ever sat down for a YouTube interview and spoke out about the porn industry and spoke out about how much she felt like she was violated how much these young women need lawyers present they need people to explain their rights to them they're just being they're just young like girls being taken advantage of a lot of the Mm -hmm. time who have no idea how much money these money these companies are making off the back of them have no idea what they're even signing when they sign these huge legal documents and then because she did that the porn company that have her videos and shit started retaliating and like online cyber bullying her and releasing corrupted previously corrupted files and like new shit of hers promoting her videos to the top of the 
page as if they were new content posting about her on Instagram going crazy like these it's like a yeah and and then she was just like it was the worst time of my entire fucking life like I literally was suicidally depressed at that point and that was only like a couple of years ago and then basically what happened from there is she joined TikTok and started kind of just posting funny videos and also sort of doing a few more interviews and she went on call her daddy and like these different places and this group of women and people online heard her say tiny little bits about her story because for a lot of it, she was just like trying to push away from it and trying to establish herself as this person away from that Mia Khalifa uh, porn star thing everyone has in their head. And so she'd kind of talk about it, but try and talk about other stuff. And she'd only say little like um, snippets of what actually went on. And people online basically pieced it together from her interviews realized how violated she'd been, realized how much shame she held from it, realized how much she thought she was to blame and started making all these videos in support of her. And I think that was the first time she realized that she, she, it wasn't her fault. Like there's, she has, it's not her fucking fault. She's being taken advantage of by people. She was in an abusive relationship. She was 19 Mm. years old. And I think she spent the past few years really coming to terms with that and doing so much therapy. And now She's obviously being embraced by the fashion industry. She's being embraced by all these people online. And she's finally able to like show the world her true self, her true, funny, smart, witty, stylish self. That's amazing. It's such an incredible story. It's like we, I think we, our generation as feminists struggle with porn as we've talked about before, because it's like, we want to be sex positive and always want to be sex worker positive, but there has to be room for shit like people deeply regretting it and wishing it doesn't exist mm-hmm. and feeling like they were, that is part of it as well. We can't pretend that it's just this like infinitely empowering, amazing thing for women getting paid a thousand dollars for the rest of your life when, when presumably straight white men are making literally millions, possibly billions. There is like nothing empowering about mm-hmm. that. And I think it's mm-hmm. so cool that she's, like owned the narrative in that way. And so much shit happened. Like she got banned from Lebanon. She was getting mm. um, sent like hate abuse and like really, really scary messages. And then she went on Rami. Have you seen the show Rami? I feel like you guys would like it. I've never watched it. Yeah, I'd like to see it. I like him. Yeah, I'm like fucking new celebrity crush unlocked. <laughs> Mia and Mia. So Mia went on an episode of Rami and she literally said to Rami, she goes, the most hate I receive is from like the Middle East, but that's the demographic that watches my videos the most. Mm. It was so funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I was talking to her, I was like, I'm so obsessed with Rami and Yusuf. <laughs> and she was like, this is where he, she told me where he goes for coffees and said he's single. Nice. I meet cute. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. I also suspect as much as it turns my stomach that, when her videos became about punishing her for criticizing the industry, that people assert a big demographic enjoyed watching them more. I bet that they went up in views just hugely. There's just there's some fucking disgusting, sadistic part of like the people that watch porn on the internet. And that's the thing is, when you talk to Chanel about this, because Chanel's, Chanel's like whole book is about this. It's about porn and what oh, it yeah, does to women. I know. 
I told her we would ages ago and I need to message her. I'm going to message her after this. Yeah. But yeah, 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 we need to have a complicated conversation about porn. Chanel's basically said she could never date a guy that watches porn because it's just so unethically made. I, which, or maybe that's an overstatement, but it's so unethically like, it's like being a vegetarian. It's like the <laughs> the system. Watching people have sex is theoretically, I think, if you're voyeuristic or whatever, okay, if everyone's consenting and blah, blah, blah. But the way porn now is literally like factory farming. They just they just pump out content as cheaply as they can manage it. Mm-hmm. And to do that, people have to be getting exploited or the system doesn't work. Yeah, for sure. It's it's like a similar way to um, to modeling, but obviously worse, mm-hmm. but where they like shove them all in those houses, those like shitty houses in LA. Like right now, there's just like, a bunch of teenage girls in like a t- in like a shitty flat in LA living in a house together having to go and film these videos that they probably don't feel that great about trying to get famous. What was that document? Did we talk about that documentary on the podcast? That porn documentary? Rashida Jones one. Was it that one? I can't remember. It was I think she was Swedish that documentary. Mm. I remember filmmaker watching the one Rashida Jones did. Um, but it was on movie last year. I oh think. yeah, you were telling me about that. You went to? Did you go to see it in person? Yeah. Oh yeah, I went and saw it. Um, I went to a polyester screening of it. It's called Pleasure. Um, yeah, people should watch that. You should you should watch that as well. I think you'll mm. like it. I, I it's um. Yeah, basically like about a young girl who moves from a small town in Sweden to Los Angeles in pursuit of becoming a porn star. And she lands like, yeah, in the film industry and it just kind of shows what the industry's become. And that there's some like stomach turning statistic about the amount of porn stars that were uh, abused as children, like sexually abused as children. It's like in, it's like in the 90s or something. It's, it's, it's so wrong. Pro-sex workers always against exploitation systems that exploit them. Yeah, exactly. And Mia as well has been saying, like, she spoke out so strongly against what happened to her. And then she obviously had backlash from sex workers for saying, you know, you're portraying the whole industry as being like that. That wasn't my Mm -hmm. experience. And she said she's been working with these women to learn more, to figure out ways that they can constructively like um, critique it. And yeah, she's, she's just so fucking smart. She's, she's a really cool person. And I think having someone like her, she thinks so critically about things. She's not afraid to speak her mind. She's really fucking funny. She was posting all this shit. She got Candace Owens like (laughs) riled up two weeks ago, (laughs) this conservative commentator freak, like two weeks ago because um, she was posting shit on TikTok congratulating famous women on their divorces. So she was congratulating like Giselle Bunchton. She was congratulating, what's that chick's name? Sophia someone, really old school, like – 90210 sort of days woman Sophia Bush oh yeah 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 um for getting a divorce she was celebrating Natalie Portman for getting a divorce and then Candace Owens and all these like conservative Christians in the U.S. were like oh yeah we should listen to like a a former porn star talk about marriage like blah 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 and then um Mia Khalifa just like doesn't give a fuck she was just like 
dude, I'm celebrating these women leaving bad fucking relationships and there is so much shame and stigma attached to divorce and like absolutely fuck that. And Giselle is a witch and Tom Brady will never see another fucking Super Bowl ring in his life. Like she's just the best. <laughs> oh, it's so good. I'm so happy people like that are... It's pretty progressive. Like fashion wouldn't have embraced someone like Mia 10 years ago. No. She walked on the runway at London Fashion Week. Nice. Um, she's She's... Yeah, uh, she lives in Miami. It was cool talking to her as well because we just spoke on Zoom and we were both having coffees because it was the morning for both of us and she was just puffing on a joint, just being really funny, talking about how much she watches Masterclass subscriptions. She's like is super nerdy and just constantly reading books and constantly getting down like ADD wormholes about certain things. And um, it's just so funny how the internet can like flatten you in such an intense Mm. way and that until kind of TikTok – she could never even show those sides of her personality, how she's obsessed with Green Day, how she like loves Harry Potter. And I'm, and it's just, yeah, it's just so funny. Yeah. TikTok has been great for that. 100%. Yeah. Nice. Well, everyone go out and read it. When's it hitting newsstands? I don't know if it's even out yet, but it will be out soon. I also don't know where you can get it. Definitely in the UK. You can get it in some places in the US, but I don't know about, Australia or New Zealand. Um, but yeah, they do so many different covers. They've got Natasha Leone on one, Devin Lee Carlson on another. I was like, why did I not get that interview? I know. All the girlies. All the girls. But yeah. Okay. Bye, sunshine. Bye, sunshine. Make a smoothie. Goodbye. <laughs> Boy. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.